We are starting a wonderful, exciting, hopefully life-changing new series on the Holy Spirit, the person, the promise, the purpose, the presence, and the power. And over these next eight or nine weeks, it's going to take us right up into Christmas time, we're going to be looking at these different aspects and really trusting that this will go hand in hand with the Living Free course that we are running at the moment. It just started last Wednesday. It was a wonderful turnout. Thank you so much for those who came. And we're going to be running that over the next uh, eight weeks as well. So really praying that these will go hand in hand, that we'll totally get a, a deeper understanding of the riches that are available to us in Christ. And it's experienced, it's lived out through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, one thing we want to be very clear to underline, that living the Christian life is not about trying to live up to an ideal, trying to live up to a a philosophy or a particular teaching in our own strength. That's just religion. The Christian faith is about encountering a person. It's about having a living, vibrant relationship with God. Of course, the Bible tells us that this relationship is only possible because of Christ's sacrificial death and resurrection, so we might know new life. But this new life is experienced through the Holy Spirit, God by His Spirit coming to dwell in our hearts. And I think it's fair to say that the Holy Spirit is perhaps the least understood, maybe even least thought about person of the Trinity, member of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe very much God in three persons. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about why this is, and perhaps, I mean, one reason perhaps is because it's very, very easy to get a concept of a father. It's easy to understand God as Father, In fact, sometimes the difficulty we have is because we project our earthly father onto our heavenly father, our fallen earthly fathers, and and that can give us a wrong concept. But at least we've got a concept of father. And it's probably even easier to understand Jesus the Son because he came to earth. He took on flesh. He became one of us, fully God, but also fully man. We read through the scriptures. We get to know who he is. We get to know his character. It's easy to get a picture of Jesus in our heads. And because of that, God the Father. Because Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Hebrews 1.1, I think um, it was read out a couple of weeks ago, says that in the past God spoke through the prophets and in many, many other ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. The actual Greek there simply says he has spoken to us in son, almost in the language of his son. Jesus revealed God to us in an incredible way. But yet when we think of the Holy Spirit, we read about the Holy Spirit in scriptures. He's, he's revealed as a dove, as fire, as wind, as oil. There's almost something mysterious about him, perhaps The the name Holy Ghost probably doesn't help, I don't know, but there's something almost intangible, and therefore we can wrongly think he's just a force or even an experience, and we end up pursuing experience instead of pursuing the person of the Holy Spirit. He hears, he speaks, he waits, he directs, he can be grieved, and he can be known. 
he can be known. I think another reason for the Holy Spirit almost kind of being a little bit ignored at times when we think of God, Father and Son, but, and the Holy Spirit, is because his, his key role is to point people to Jesus. There's a beautiful unity and love in the Trinity where they are of equal value, all God, but there are distinct roles. And one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit is almost to be self-effacing, to step aside out of the limelight and reflect the light on Jesus. Jesus said, he will give me, he, the Holy Spirit, will give me glory by taking what is mine and making it known to you. So it's almost like the Holy Spirit steps out of the way and says, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And in fact, one of the key ways we know something is of the Holy Spirit is if it glorifies Jesus. If it glorifies Jesus. But he is very much God. He was there from the beginning. Genesis 1, hovering over the waters, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. We see him in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people for certain seasons, certain times, prophets, priests, kings for specific seasons, but then go. He would anoint, you think of Samson or Gideon, anointing them for particular purposes. But then something changes as we get into the New Testament. Jesus comes and he he gets baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist gives this testimony. In John 1, 32, I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Interesting. Why, Why say remain on him? Because this wasn't a momentary anointing. This wasn't like the Old Testament times. This was a permanent anointing. The word there, remain, is the same word that Jesus used when he encourages us to remain in him, to abide in him. This is not momentary. This is something of lasting worth. And Jesus is our model, isn't he? And as we read through Jesus' ministry, we see he is led straight after his baptism by the Spirit into the wilderness. Luke 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. A few verses later, in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. What does he do there? He then goes to Nazareth, goes to the synagogue there, pulls out a scroll, reads Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Send me to proclaim freedom from the captives. Spirit of the sovereign Lord. Can you see the theme here? Jesus totally operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. And not just Jesus, of course, as we read through Acts and we see the birth of the early church, Pentecost, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the 120 disciples at the time, a fulfillment of the, of the prophecy that uh, had been prophesied time and time again, particularly Joel 2.28. Peter references that at the time. He said, guys, this is the fulfillment. This is what Joel prophesied. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It's a promise. It's a promise. Jesus also reiterated this promise time and time again. In John 16, he even tells his disciples, guys, it's better if I leave. Why? Because then I can send the Holy Spirit. He describes him as our advocate, our helper. The word there is 
paraclete, basically one who draws alongside. Some of you will remember we did our paraclesis series about drawing alongside each other. It's the word used for the Holy Spirit, one who draws alongside. Whatever situation you're facing in right now, you can know the Holy Spirit drawing alongside you. John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, forever. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you again by my spirit. Luke 24, 49. I'm reading out a lot of scripture this morning because I want us to understand this is scriptural truth. We need to keep reminding ourselves this is normal Christianity. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. Luke 24, 49. I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Again, Acts 1, 8. Very very well known. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Time and time again, confirming the promise, confirming what John the Baptist prophesied. He says, look, I baptize you with water for repentance. One who comes after me, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And it's a promise, as I said, that was fulfilled on that day of Pentecost. But here's the thing. It goes on being fulfilled today. It goes on being fulfilled today. We see this pattern right the way through the New Testament. People coming to faith in Jesus and then being filled with the Holy Spirit. And not as a once-off. Being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't an event, a historical event. It's a way of life. It's the way to live the Christian life. So what does being baptized or being filled with the Holy Spirit really mean? Very simply, I believe it means the equipping and the empowering to live out the Christian life. Or to use John Piper, who's very quotable, theologian, author, former pastor, now retired from his church at the moment, but he says this, the essence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is when a person who is already a believer receives extraordinary spiritual power. What's it for? For Christ-exalting ministry. Extraordinary power. To be baptized, think about when you're baptized in water. The word actually means to be drenched, to be soaked through, to be plunged, saturated. When we baptize people in water, which we're going to be doing in November, it doesn't matter what you're wearing, you're going to get wet. You are going to get wet. Down to your skin, I'm looking at Sam. You're going to get wet. Not one part of you is going to remain dry. (laughs) Transfer that image, just for a moment, to baptism in the Holy Spirit. Being plunged, being drenched, being soaked, been so deeply impacted that the Holy Spirit becomes the major influence in your life, the influence in your life. Being so impacted that your very life is changed and transformed. That people notice that something has happened to you from the inside out. It's visible, it's noticeable. A power to bear witness to Jesus Christ. But, a, but not just that, a power that so changes your life that your very life becomes a witness to Jesus. Not just the words that you speak, 
but your very life becomes witness to God's grace and God's glory. But doesn't this happen automatically, the moment we become Christians, the moment we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior? Doesn't this just happen automatically at our point of repentance and faith? Good question. Glad you asked. Personally, I don't believe it does. I don't believe being filled with the Spirit is automatic. And the reason why I say that is, again, as we read through the New Testament, we see time and time again that being filled with the Spirit was something that was specifically received by faith, separate to conversion. Can it happen at the same time? Of course. Can it happen years, years, years later? Yes, of course. But why wait? But it's something that is specifically received by faith. Yes, as we've said, the Holy Spirit plays a vital role in our salvation. He reveals our need of a savior. He convicts our hearts. He, he lays us bare and, and we just see us for who we really are. I need a savior. And he points us to Jesus. He is totally involved in your salvation. He's called the spirit of conviction, John 16, 8. When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world and show where right and wrong and judgment lie. He's the spirit of truth. We need truth in this day and age, don't we? John 16, 13. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. If you are sitting here this morning worshiping God, you are here because the Holy Spirit has made it possible. I actually believe even if you're here this morning and you haven't made a commitment to Jesus, you're just exploring, you're just investigating, I believe that the Holy Spirit is still working in your heart, helping you to see the truth, showing where right and wrong and judgment lie. The Holy Spirit is amazing. He's amazing at the way he gently draws us to the truth, to Jesus, convicting our hearts and convincing us of the truth. You know, and actually, as we looked at the, in the Living Free course last Wednesday, we saw that when we repent, when we turn from living for ourselves and living our own way and trust Jesus as our righteousness, the Holy Spirit then indwells us from that moment He does indwell us. We are born again of the Spirit. We are new creations. It is the work of the Spirit by the grace of God. In that moment, we can know freedom from guilt, freedom from shame. We can know a love and a peace that is just beyond what we've experienced before. It's supernatural. We know we're totally accepted in Christ. It's a work of the Spirit. Romans 8, 9 says, describes us as not being in the realm of the flesh. We are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. So every believer, everyone who has called on the name of the Lord to be saved, has this indwelling of the Holy Spirit permanently. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit, that's what you're called. But there is more. There is so much more. There is immeasurably more. Because again, as we read through the Scriptures, as we read through the New Testament, we see believers not just accepted into the body of Christ, but empowered to do things beyond their natural ability. Laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. Seeing people set free from bondage and pain. You know, where people were once timid, And full of fear, now they're impassioned and full of boldness. 
changes people. Where people were once apathetic, can't really, yeah, whatever, suddenly become so impassioned and so on fire as they are filled, baptized, immersed with the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized with the Holy Spirit is not an optional add-on. It's not part of the options list. If you've ever bought a new car, not that we ever have actually, the dream is going through your options list. Tick the box, oh yeah, I'll have a panoramic sunroof, leather interior, metallic paint, 22-inch wheels to ruin the ride. Anyway, that is not what Jesus is talking about. Acts 2 helps illustrate this. On the day of Pentecost, there is Peter, the one who denied Christ, the one who fled, said, I've got nothing to do with him. Holy Spirit comes upon him. Now he stands up and addresses the huge crowds that have turned up because they're just ogling at what on earth is going on with this outpouring of the Spirit on these 120. He stands up full of the Holy Spirit, full of boldness, and he basically gives it to them. He, he gives them the gospel, no hold, no, not holding back in any way. You guys, this man Jesus Christ who you crucified, he is Lord and Messiah. And God raised him up, and he's alive today. He, he didn't hold back. And while he was preaching the truth, the Holy Spirit was working in the hearts and the lives of those who listened. The Holy Spirit was bringing them to the point of, what must we do to be saved? That's exactly what they said. What must we do to be saved? They were cut to the core. So he says, Acts 2.38, Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and your children and for those who are far off. Repent, turn from your old life. Trust Jesus, receive his forgiveness. Secondly, get baptized in water as an outward sign of this inner truth. So often we stop there. But thirdly, receive. Receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. The reason we can have faith to receive this gift is because we have a God who keeps his promises. And he keeps his promises today. Being filled with the Spirit is not just an extra for the adventurous types, for those who are in kind of official ministry. It's for everyone and your children and for all who are far off. It's the promise for you. It's part and parcel of the Christian life. In fact, I was reading Galatians 3.14 the other day, and it just and it really didn't strike me this before, but it says, Jesus redeemed us so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. One of the reasons why Jesus saved us was to enable us to receive the Holy Spirit. I think it's important to say, let's not get hung up on, well, have I been filled? I don't know. got prayed for a while back. The question we need to be asking ourselves is, are you filled? Are you full today? The point is, being baptized, as I said, it's not a historical event. It's not a one-off event. Being baptized in water is. Thankfully, you only have to get wet once. But being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a lifestyle. Being filled with the Spirit should be a daily way we walk in life. It says, keep in step with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And we see time and time again, those early believers being repeatedly filled, not as a one-off. Peter, filled at Pentecost, Acts 2.4, filled again in Acts 4.8, filled again, Acts 32, 
4.32. There's a pattern, constantly, constantly filled. Paul, filled when Ananias tentatively laid hands on him. Holy Spirit came. We see again Acts 9.17. That was when he was filled. He was filled again in Acts 13.9. And probably time and time again, these are just the, the moments that we have where it's written down. We see it's a way of life. Stephen was chosen as a deacon because he was a man full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And when he was facing his execution as these religious leaders, just before he was about to be stoned, he's filled again with the Spirit, his face shining like an angel. And again with the early church, filled on the day of Pentecost, filled again in Acts 4 as they gather to pray. We've got a prayer meeting tonight. Let's come expectant for God to fill us again with his Spirit. The room shook <laughs> because we constantly need to know the power of God. We need to, to know the, God's passion and his compassion for those around us, for those in the world. We need his compassion. And you know, sadly, the Holy Spirit, baptism in the Spirit, is it's not always spoken about in churches. And I don't believe it's necessarily a salvation issue, but I think it's a real shame because it leaves people shortchanged. Because they're not living in the fullness of what God has actually promised. So they don't have any expectations. They don't have any experience of it. This is just the Christian life, isn't it? So they end up striving in their own strength or becoming passive and apathetic. You know, just hold on till we get to heaven. I've got an electric toothbrush. Ooh. I think most people have got electric toothbrushes now, haven't they? I remember when it was such a big thing. Why am I telling you this? Because I constantly forget to put it on charge. Am I the only one who gets up in the morning, turns on their toothbrush, and you start off okay, and then just goes, and it goes lower and lower, and it, it does this pathetic attempt at trying to rotate. And you're just sitting there going, and so you end up scrubbing, scrubbing like mad. And it's never the same, is it? And it's such a joy. I know I'm easily pleased, but it's such a joy when I remember to charge it. And it's that feeling as it whizzes in your mouth and it's like zzzz, And you leave your mouth feeling super fresh and super clean. Without being full of the Spirit, it's like being that empty, drained electric toothbrush. Labored. Labored. Maybe you feel a little bit like that this morning. Maybe for you, the worship was a bit labored. You're looking around, seeing lots of other people encountering God, being lost in wonder, love and praise. And for you, it's just like, I'm uh, not really feeling it this morning. You know, what about prayer? Just reminding you again, we've got a prayer meeting tonight, <laughs> 7 p.m., real lounge. You know, maybe if I mention prayer, you just think, oh, don't even get me started on prayer. Everything's labored. It's hard work. What's the answer? Crack the whip. Try harder. Be more focused in your spiritual disciplines. This week, I will get up at seven and read that passage of the Bible. I mean, yes, that may help a bit. But you know what? That's like me just scrubbing with my drained toothbrush. I'm just going to try harder. These teeth will be clean. What's the answer? The answer is to remember that we have the promise of power. We have the promise of power that is immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine or probably have experienced thus far. There is so much more available to us. The Holy Spirit convicts us, but he also empowers us for ministry. As Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
Stay in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. Believe the promise. We need to believe that promise. Not about scrubbing harder. We have power available. It's for you. And there's many other examples in the New Testament we can, be, we can use to show that being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is something that we have to actively receive by faith. I just want to briefly look at Acts 8. Um, if you feel free to turn to it. But it, we read about this guy, Simon, who's a sorcerer. He's got a bit of a following. He's obviously very involved in the occult. I think if he was around today, he'd probably have a pretty huge YouTube channel. I don't know. He had a following. He was well known. But when Philip came into the region, it's in the region of Samaria, he heard the gospel for the first time, and he responded. He said, I need Jesus in my life. And he got baptized in water, along with many, many others, as this gospel was bearing fruit around the region of Samaria. So word gets out and Peter and John join Philip, you know, because the Holy Spirit is obviously up to something. He's, he's leading people to faith. And in Acts 8 verse 15, we read this. When they arrived, that's Peter and John, to join Philip, they prayed for these new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's water baptism. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw this, that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, and he said, Give me this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Didn't really impress Peter that much. May your money perish with you. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. But he told him to repent. Get your heart right. Get your heart right before God. Three things I just want to briefly pull out of this. Firstly, these were believers. They were already baptized. And Pentecost had happened. It wasn't that they had to wait any longer for the Holy Spirit. It's just that they had yet to receive this empowering, this filling, to live out their mission and calling. Second point. When they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it must have been pretty obvious for Simon to respond in that way. I want this. I need this. Look, here, have some money. I need this. It must have been visible. Makes me think that when we are filled with the Spirit, it makes a difference that people can see. We know it. Other people know it. Sometimes it's not immediate, although I think actually a lot of the time it can be. But we start to bear fruit of the Spirit. We start to demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to be speaking on gifts of the Spirit next week. There's a difference. There is evidence of the power of God coming into your life. Question we need to ask ourselves, is there evidence of the power of God in my life? Is there evidence? Thirdly, Peter makes it very clear that this baptism, this filling with power from on high is a gift. God freely gives the Holy Spirit to his children. Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus said, If you then, though you are evil, though you are far from perfect, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? This is such good news to us today because it is not something we deserve it's not something we earn, certainly not something we can pay for. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. doesn't matter how recently you've been a Christian. 
This promise is for you. It's not about reaching a certain level of maturity. We read time and time again, people being filled with the Spirit instantly. It's all about asking and receiving by faith, believing how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit when you ask. You know, and it is mind-blowing. Let us never get over the mind-blowing truth of this. The same power that Jesus ministered with, that just drew crowds. The same power that raised him from the dead. The same power that turned the world upside down through the early church is offered to you. Jesus freely gives to you today. Why on earth would we settle for anything less? I'm just going to wrap up aware of time. Four things that can hinder us and leave us settling for less. Just going to rattle through these. Firstly, ignorance. Ignorance. In Acts 19 verse 2, Paul come across, comes across some disciples in Ephesus and he says, he obviously noticed there was maybe something missing. He said, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, well, he didn't even know there was this thing, this person, the Holy Spirit. They were ignorant. And Paul put that right. He told them about the Holy Spirit and they were filled. They were filled. They received the promise. My prayer this morning is, is that none of us are unaware of what is available to every believer. Second point that can leave us settling for less, and that is feeling disqualified. Again, thinking that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for those who have reached a certain level of maturity or have got their lives together. The ironic thing about thinking like that is, is that it's the Holy Spirit that helps us get our lives together. You, know, you think, well, when I've reached a certain level of purity, hold on, he is the spirit of holiness. He is the one who leads us and helps us in those sort of areas, in holiness. No one is disqualified. If you're a child of God, if you've received Jesus as your Lord, you're qualified. Second one is fear. It's all a bit wacky, isn't it? And we see examples of where Sometimes there has been some teaching that's gone beyond Scripture, and you think, wait, okay. And you can end up chucking the baby out with the bathwater and going, I'm just going to stay well clear of all that spiritual stuff. There's fear there. And the answer is coming back to trusting your Father, getting to know your Father again. If that's you, get stuck back in the book of Acts. Read about the truth of how God wants us to live out the Christian life. Read about what Jesus says about the Father, that he is a good, good Father who loves to give good gifts to his children. The Holy Spirit is a wonderfully good gift. He won't give you a stone or a snake. He knows what we need. We need the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, apathy. Apathy. Jesus said in John 7, Come to me, all who are thirsty. Heather read that um, Isaiah passage out as well. All who are thirsty, all who are hungry, come to me. I will give you rivers of living water flowing out from your heart. By this he meant the Holy Spirit, which was yet to be poured out. Come to me if you're thirsty. To receive, you've got to be hungry for it. You've got to want it. And you've got to keep being hungry for it. Paul says, encourages us to fan into flame the gift of God. Fan it into flame. Keep the thirst. Keep the passion. Maybe some of us need to repent from apathy. 
We've settled. Got a bit comfortable. Things get exciting, not necessarily comfortable, when the Holy Spirit comes in power. Very exciting. Don't be like my drained toothbrush. Yeah? As we continue through this series, I really pray that we will see how vital the Holy Spirit is to our everyday lives. You know, in our worship, in our prayer, yes, in our speaking to people, in our relationships, in in our reading the Bible, in our parenting, in our purity. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit is given to us for the world, for our witness. The world needs a church full of life, full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, empowered, impassioned. We live in a world where people are desperately seeking truth, seeking something authentic, something real, something that works, something that gives real hope. We can't settle, can we? We can't settle. We need to say daily, Jesus, fill me again with your spirit. And that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm just going to pray for us as a church. Maybe if you guys could just start playing. Can I invite you just to stand to your feet? If you're able to. If you'd like a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit this morning. It's not a formula. But sometimes I find it just helpful just to lift your arms out. It's just a demonstration that, Lord, we're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you. We want more of you in our lives. We're fed up of settling. We're fed up of scrubbing our teeth with a drained battery. We want to go through life empowered, fulfilled, knowing the hope, knowing the freedom, knowing the power of God in our lives. And Lord, I pray for every single person here who calls you Lord. I ask, will you send your Holy Spirit afresh on us today? Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're a God who keeps your promises. And Lord, I pray where people have experienced you in the past, and perhaps that seems like long ago now. Oh, Father, I pray, will you just give them faith to receive again, to be expectant every morning as they wake up. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Help me to keep in step with you, Holy Spirit, today. Help me to listen to your voice. Help me to know your power and your grace and your peace. For those of you who have never known the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who maybe have discounted themselves because they're like, well, it never really happens to me. Fresh faith in Jesus' name. Pray, Spirit of God, fall afresh on them. That they know that they're included. There is no one who is left out in your family. And while there will be time as we draw the meeting to a close, if you'd like someone to lay hands on you, then that's absolutely fine. 
But you ask. You ask in faith for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ask believing how much more will my good, good Father in heaven give me the Holy Spirit. Just receive it now. If you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, maybe you're intrigued. Maybe you just want to find out more and chat. We're very, very happy to chat with you. Share from our experience, share from the Word of God. Maybe you're ready to say yes now. Then you could say that right where you are. Yes to Jesus. I turn from living my own way. I want to know your life living in me. You can do that right now. Experience that new life. So Holy Spirit, we just ask, will you just come in fresh power? Fresh power, Spirit of God. And as we worship, just continue to allow faith to rise. Pray a release of gifts in this place. Thank you for the gift of prophecy. Thank you for words of knowledge. Thank you for the gift of tongues that builds us up. Thank you for the gift of encouragement. Just pray spiritual gifts fall in this place. They're gifts, they're not earned. They're free. The whole point of a gift. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship you.